go. This is the Everyday Ordinary Podcast. Today I sit down with my friend, Brian Mons, who I met in prison 14 years ago. Two years ago, got back to Fort Wayne, was having a, a nasty bowl of cold chicken at Chipotle. Sorry, Chipotle. It was disgusting. But as I looked up, my guy was walking in. I hadn't seen him really in 14 years. Maybe had five conversations over Facebook during that time. But he was there with his wife, and he, he um, told a story that was powerful and beautiful and led us to where we are today. So we hope you enjoy our little dialogue about the ins and out of our relationship, what can be done through waiting into the relationships along the way and what might be out there as you continue to travel through your day. Again, thank you so much for coming with us. Can't wait to share with you what Brian and I's relationship looked like. Peace. What we are looking for is right where we Okay, here we're Everyday Ordinary. It's already on. Everything's being taped. The awkward tension is fine. We'll let it ride. So Everyday Ordinary, I think this is five. And this is my guy, Brian Mons. And <laughs> he's going to play it cool until he breaks he breaks this uh, this face. It'll happen somewhere along the way. It's just awkward. Why is it awkward? <laughs> so lots of reasons okay it's all good so let me set up the backdrop you like our plastic cups they're high profile yeah only the I, best for you what am i sipping no who knows that's why we put in the red cup so uh i brought this one. <laughs> <laughs> you drove with that anyway yeah. so it's been about 12 years probably 13 years oh nine yeah so 14 years mm-hmm. um so uh, personally, and then we'll go back and forth. I was, I was just recently pastoring the church that I helped plant. Um, my pastor in a bad spot, and so at 29, I took over that church. It had gone from uh, a few hundred people down to 70 people in six months, and I was left handling the business and went from went like late 20s, 29. So I was. Uh, Coming out of the season of our life, our family had traveled the world for two years. We were moving to Bristol, England in 30 days. Pastor told me some news. I legitimately heard three things. Cancel England, love my sheep, and you're going to get hurt more than you've ever been hurt in your life. Three things. I had $11,000 in my hand for England. Teams coming with us to start the churches and called them all and canceled it that day. Went back in and rebuilt a soundboard and everything hit the fan for the next six months, uh, both personally and professionally. It was, uh, my body was red hot. I was like, I felt like I was stroking out. I was checking my BP. Even before I would preach, it was that bad. But there was one thing that my pastor was doing that I felt like I had to continue, which was teaching at Channel Lakes Prison. I didn't think that I could drop that um, because there was an expectancy and rhythm going on already. So I went in there and started teaching the book of Ephesians and that's when we met. Now, I had no idea uh, what was really going on other than the guys wouldn't go back to their rooms. And it was one of those times where we're kind of talking about 23 right now, like God's doing something right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, back in the day at Channel Lakes for this short stint, there was a supernatural kindness uh, where a whole bunch of fellows were meeting in a room, chatting up the scriptures, and things were changing that that nobody really knew till years later. Right. And so you were there. You can maybe set that context. You were there. Yeah, I was working in the kitchen. 
You did you work in the kitchen while you're there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Part time. You part time. No, <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, that was in '09. I came over there in '09, and uh, towards the end of my adolescence, juvenile stint, I was getting in a lot of trouble. Kind of just searching, doing a lot of. Um, I got one. One incident led to three to six months probation, and I never got off probation as a juvenile. Dirty drops, kicked out of classes, those kinds of things. And then um, I had a child at 19 right after high school, and I kind of was under the radar. I was off papers, but I was just under the radar, getting away with stuff. And then um, I got an OWI in 2003, and then I got another one in 2008. They were like four years apart, two and five years now in counties of felony. So that's what qualified. Actually, when I got my second one, I was on probation for something else. So they brought up my, both of those cases, I got sentenced to DOC on both cases. So I got sentenced to prison in 08. It was a six month on one case. It was a year and six months. I did nine. My first six I did in Miami County. They actually released me because it was two different charges consecutive. So they released me from Miami sent me home and I was telling them, you know, Hey, I got another charge. I got to finish three more months. And they were like, well, it's not on your paperwork. So they released me. So I went home. I was home for 13 days. Parole called said, Hey, you still got another charge. So I literally have to turn myself back in, got dropped off at the jail to go through the whole process again for three more months. Well, after that three months, I ended up in chain of lakes. I went through RDC and I, they should have yep. chain of lakes. So man, in hindsight, it's a lot clearer now, but then, like you said, it wasn't, I was just falling off in the room looking for some clarity. I had, um, I've been in the church my whole life, so that was there. You had but backdrop. I was, but... Yeah, but I was looking for, I would say the time I spent in church as a youth gave me a good faith foundation, but it, there wasn't a lot of transformation. Yeah, and so kind of to put a little piece in the middle, you know, we go do our own things for the next several years. That only was for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I was only in there three months and right. you weren't there the whole three months. No. And so we didn't know each other's seasons or stories. No, but I was intrigued. So, so when you were born? 79. I was born 82. So you were, I'm like 28. You're 30, something like that. But our stories are similar. You got this bride at home. I got, I wasn't married yet, but I got two kids. So I'm kind of looking at, man, this is what I could have done. Mm. Or, you know, I could have, it's yeah. possible kind of thing. Cause I was making some tough choices at that point. But so I was kind of, but I had <clears throat> one thing prison did for me was I, I quit beating myself up. Mm. I was trying to find another alternative for just loser beating myself up. Cause I was like, man, my mentality was if I'm already sentenced, it's a double jeopardy if I sit here and just, so I was looking yeah. for that. So when you walk in, it's like, wow. And there was another pastor in Miami County that was really ministry from while I was there. So mm -hmm. it was really like God was just working with me while I was incarcerated. But looking at you coming chain of lakes, it, it was kind of convicting in a way, mm -hmm. inspiring in a way. But I didn't know, right? We just, we kind of became boys for two weeks. Yeah. Like it was fun. And I want to fast forward and then you can kind of go backwards. So we, we go do our own things. I go back to pastoring. We moved to Maine for seven years. And then we were at Chipotle one day 
And I have to tell you, that day was the worst experience I've ever had at Chipotle. And it was like, that was the end of 221, December yeah. of 21. So, but I'm talking about, like, I got a bowl, a chicken bowl, and I'm trying to eat this chicken bowl, and the and the chicken is like ice. And so I'm I'm having an experience that's not super beautiful. It's COVID, though. It was middle of COVID. <laughs> yeah. They didn't cook the chicken anymore. Nobody's restaurants were <laughs> Nothing good. Nothing was but, doing good, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so uh, we're in there. Uh, I'm eating this cold bowl of chicken and then you walk in with what I find out is your wife, Amanda. Yeah. And I immediately come over to you. Yeah. We saw you when we pulled up, yeah. I saw you through the window and I'm like, man, I was in the car for, cause it just, it's like, man, that's Eric Wood. It was just. And we had talked maybe like a handful of times over Facebook. social media Yeah, we didn't for have like each 12 months. years. Yeah. I mean, four or five times. That's it. So I don't know your story. I, we don't know each other that well but that day you told me some stuff that that immediately made us super close like it was like we'd been brothers for a decade or more but then all of a sudden we got to experience that yeah and so you, you said stuff like bro like 12 years ago at that time like we were that same age ish and you're like man i i've used you as this aim for who i was going to become and i had no idea, but I told you I was fried. Yeah. I wasn't okay. By far the most depressed, most broken human I could have ever, that I've ever been was in that season to the point where my, at that time, nine-year-old daughter back in, you know, at maybe she was seven. She was asking me if I'd ever get out of bed and hang out with them again. Like that's how bad off I, I really got. Um, I'd sit in Netflix, I think had just come out and I'd lay in bed and watch Netflix. And after I got done with work, after I studied, after I preached, cause I got nothing left. And so yet I was still showing up to this prison. Yeah. I think, I think we were, I think we were all being held in that room. Mm -hmm. You know, the way I see it now after the Fultley talk, it's like, man, God was pulling you out of the church to be, mm -hmm. it was, we were both in our own prisons. Yeah. That's you know, a trip. And we were getting held in that room. That's why it was so, we weren't doing that. We weren't having no praise and worship. We, it wasn't no. So we just we cracked up into the book and sat with some yeah. But it was, we never wanted to leave. It was so therapeutic. So seeing you in Chipotle and hearing that, it's like, wow. I thought you were, had everything figured out at that point. Cause you had told me, man, you did everything the right way. You went drinking, went smoking, married your, I'm like, wow. Wow, so it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought it was parts all, of it, you know, yeah. you know. But you know, to see it come to fruition, but you, for you to be able to see me with my wife mm -hmm. and not struggling with life and man tell you I'm winning in certain aspects, that, that was that had to do you some good too, because the last time we had seen each other was in you know, in the facility. Oh man, it was that was like um it's like, hey, I'm doing good, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, and you're telling I'm me about alive. your whole life, not just alive, but thriving, yeah. like yeah. loving your wife, mm -hmm. loving your kids, and loving the city with a new business, and and that business is making an impact not only in your home but in the community. At that point, I was about to I was about to move my house that next week. I I told you, pulled out the picture, oh, yeah, dude. I'm moving <laughs> next week, and he's telling me all this crazy stuff because part of the story was when you got out of prison felony can't get a job oh man and uh you went and worked at hot and ready and little caesars he, little caesars 
hot and ready is their slogan maybe is yeah, that right yeah yeah five dollars five dollar cardboard with some cheese and sauce out there on state and coliseum yeah man. spinning signs for seven seven and a quarter seven and a quarter and you told me you're like man i thought i was on the top of the world yeah, i really look at it as god honoring my decisions at that point because um i didn't get that job till about six or seven months after i was out but i was determined I can't do the time, you know? So my whole reference point before prison just wasn't, it just wasn't legit. I came up in the church, had a backdrop of church, but my reference point was what's happening. What are party favors? What's happening this weekend? Yeah. But so, you you said even when you're working that job, your guys would drive by and mock oh, you. Oh yeah, laugh at me, you know? But I was just, I just knew I couldn't go back. I didn't have a whole lot of reference point for what to do. so. Literally, me getting that little Caesar's job felt like, I mean, it didn't feel like it was an answer prayer. God showing up to tell, you know, it just, it was the biggest thing in the world to me. And it, I hated it, you know, it was humbling. But as far as the pay, I wouldn't, I was making 20, 20 cents an hour in a joint, you know, mm -hmm. I was making 725. It didn't even equate to 120 every two weeks. I had alcohol classes. I got two kids, child support. So it didn't. The money didn't equate to nothing, but it was just like the stamp of approval I needed to kind of move forward. Yeah, I got my foot in the door. That's all I needed. I just need my foot in the door. And and it's been alone ever since. It's <laughs> it snowballed out of control. You know, I had a couple temp service jobs back then. I was losing them. I got married a year after being incarcerated or after I got released to, to Amanda. I had met her when I was 15. And dude, she's just as spicy as you, so I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's how it works. We, that's right. We've known each other a long time. Yeah, it's time. beautiful. It's, I, I think it's great because we're best friends, like legit. It's mm -hmm. not a, it's not a cliche or sounds good. Like, we know the good, the bad, and the ugly. We kind of came through adolescence together. She was, we've just always been friends, you know? Both of us have our own stories. Hers looks a lot different than mine, you know? Yeah. But, so um, we I, I got we got married a year after my release. I got out in May of '09, June of 2010. We got married. The next week, we were building a house. We we're building on her credit because I didn't have nothing but right. Temp sir, I was buying groceries and stuff at that point. Are <laughs> <laughs> you doing some at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I contributed. So um, but that's it. Just I had these high aspirations. I had this. I had. To, a vision. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was shooting at. And literally, I mean, I, I was studying my word a lot then. Spent a lot of time with TD Jake's podcast. There was just stuff that seemed like work to me. I was like six to eight hours a day in my word sometimes, but it was just, to me, that was my job. It didn't seem like I was producing much, man, but my, my mentality was changing. I was seeing myself differently. I was seeing things differently. I was seeing my faith walk differently, my righteousness differently, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did this job for a neighbor. We were in this new neighborhood and uh, I put some paneling up in my garage, some pegboard and my neighbor saw it. She's like, hey, do that in my garage. And uh, I know how much the builder charges to do it. That's why I did it myself. So I told her half of what the builder wanted. It was like 800 bucks. And she's like, when can you do it? So I was like, Friday. So I did it Friday and Saturday. It took me like six hours. She gave me a check for $800. Like that's a, over a month worth through the temps. Right. You know? And I was like, man, I'm never going back to work. Like fast cash i did it legit so i'm talking to a buddy he's like you need a company and i'm like you know 
<laughs> don't, get, don't, don't get too crazy. I don't know nothing about you. Know, I got no products, no service, no nothing. You know. But he's like, "What would you call it?" I said, "Gifted Hands." So he helped me start the LLC, and he's like, "Here, now you're a business owner." And I took my check and opened my account. So I'm like, "That's how I started rolling." But I'm push mowing yards with my mom's push mower, no license, putting in mower in my wife's trunk. You know, I got the extension cord to blow your. It was, it was, it was tough, but I was determined. I'm gonna do. You know, at that point, I was just trying to eat. I didn't have no aspirations. I want this company. I didn't have no business plan. I didn't even want to be a business owner. I just was trying to get some money. I'm just trying to eat, you know, legit. I can't go back, can't compromise. Yeah. And it it, it just, it's yeah, snowballed it out of push that. I think it's interesting too, because if somebody were to see you, you go from Little Caesars, now you're push mowing out of the back of your car with, you know, electric blower. Yeah. And people look at that and go, man. Nobody was gawking at me then. Well, but even then, like, how much judgment do we put on those cats that we see like that? Right? Are, yeah. They're trying to make it. They're trying to do something with, with what they have. And uh, you see somebody push, like, down on the southeast side, I'll, I'll see guys rolling down all, all day, the time. All day. With mowers. Pulling it on a moped. You see yeah, them out, all see, of it. Yeah. All of it. But that's where you started. They're out there eating. Yep. And usually, I, I say something to them cats. Cause it starts here. That's the grind. They got a different grind than most people I know, a different hustle about themselves, make it an opportunity. Yeah, man. And so I know that you started doing the push mowing and then it turned into doing man. vacant lots. Yeah. Well, I was still doing, um, I was still working kind of just whatever jobs I could get. I would just mow when I wasn't on the one, when, when I wasn't working, I, I didn't have a career. I was just working a job. When I got out of work, I'd cut some yards. Cause my thing is like, it's fast, easy money. Right. I cut a yard in a half hour if it's 30 bucks. Back then they were $25 yards. <laughs> but I mean, 10 yards in a week's 250. That that helped me out a lot, you know. So it started like that. I I started um hustling Craigslist. That's when Craigslist was big. So I was hustling my mo I got off the push mower and started I got me a little mowing package off of Craigslist, the used mm. mowing deal. And I'm just out trying to knock everything down i'm bidding on stuff <laughs> no insurance i'm just trying to mow man yeah and i ran into a lady while i was out mowing and she was cleaning up foreclosure properties for the banks and she's like i need somebody to cut these yards and i'm like i'll cut them so that got me into like volume mowing i started mowing a lot of grass for these foreclosure banks this was back in you know 2011 20 when all the fallout yeah the home, from 08 so all these stuff. banks were all these vacant homes were everywhere and they were flooding. So I was running everywhere, cleaning them up. Mm -hmm. So that I used that little money to kind of upgrade my equipment. I was hustling mowers, you know, swapping them, trading them, buying them, have it for a year, upgrade the trailers. That's how I kind of, I did that for a long time. Um, got the mowers. I was, I got a CDL cause I started, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my story timeline. Straight. No, I mean, uh, part of this though, I think, Back up just a second. Part of the story too is about folks that have invested in you in the in the background, because it's like you were doing the work, but behind the scenes there was a lot of work going on yeah. through other fellas specifically, and those cats still are involved in in large part in your life today. But but there was like you were putting work in, and then people were putting work into you at the same time, right. and and developing a vision for what could be. And it was almost like a surprise until it wasn't. 
Um, mm-hmm. Would that be accurate? Yeah, because I, um, one of them gentlemen, he often says the best thing you can do for anybody in this world is um, believe in them until they have the courage to believe in themselves. And, you know, that's incredible to me because it's like, what does that look like? But th- that's what those individuals did for me because th- I, I kind of felt like I was a screw up and everything I touched, you know, it's mm-hmm. a self-fulfilling prophecy. If that's what I see about myself, everything's going to confirm it. So I didn't yeah. get out of that, you know, and them believing in me, telling me I got value. They see something valuable in me. They see greatness in me. That kind of, they did that until I was able to see it in myself and that changed everything. That alone changed everything. Well, and just take a le- another left turn. We're going right. to keep taking turns right. like we're mowing somebody's lawn without <laughs> any order right now. <laughs> we're not going to do zigzags, right. but we're going to take yeah, some lines, turns. Lines, right. Yeah, there still need to be straight lines. Right. Uh, we met a few weeks ago and talked about value and the absence of value in certain communities. Could you speak to that to a little bit? Because I think that people, you know, people are trying to pour everything into places where they see poverty, brokenness. Um, Southeast side is, is always talked about. Well, one of the things that you've said is that it's, it's a lack of value. Right. Um, and, and for you, that was true. There was no value until somebody began to pour in. Tell me I was valuable. Right. Um, and you, you really believe that that's part of the absence that we deal with. I think that's a majority of it, you know, because I used to get beat a lot as a kid, <laughs> a lot. It was warranted. It have I mean, anything to do with your mouth. I mean, it I, was warranted. Okay. But my mentality on that was like, it didn't matter what I did. Cause I'm just going to get a whooping. Mm. So if I, I just. I could take the whooping, but I'm gonna have a blast today because I'm gonna just get whooped. <laughs> That's what I was. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. it's just gonna be a spanking. So I, I think the lack of value. If I don't feel that when I was getting in trouble, all I was doing was trying to fit in, affirmation, acknowledgement, approval. That's all I was doing. I mean, I wasn't a criminal. I wasn't doing. I was just partying and that kind of thing. But. It came out of that same mentality. I don't have nothing to lose. All I do is screw up. And so I think value plays everything in it because, you know, I often say my whole world changed when what I saw in the mirror changed when. So like. It's on the idea of investing in something where you see a lack of value and you're throwing something in it. the thing you're changing has to change its viewpoint. You know, like it's the renewing the mind. Um, when I was coming through prison, man, Romans 12, two in the message, it says, uh, one of the greatest things you can do for God is embrace what he's done, what he's done for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the best thing you can do for him is embrace what he's done for you. And it's like, man, that's, simplistic it seems you know so i'm like well okay what has he done for me how do i embrace that but that helped me see my righteous stance and the good fight of faith and that kind of you know it just gave some context to some of that stuff because i heard it for 20 years but it wasn't transformative it didn't mean a whole lot right i could quote it i had stuff on my mirror you know all that stuff but the value is what changed my it started the transformation process. I saw myself as righteous, not the whole, because of Jesus, the true gospel, mm-hmm. because of what Jesus did, not because of anything I did or qualified. So I I look at the good fight of faith as 
staying in that point of view perspective despite what comes yeah because life's gonna happen but i'm still righteous i'm still loved i'm still a son so it's like that's a little different than what i've grown grown up, up with, with or come to know you know well and you and you i mean you think about um a generalized context of of poverty southeast side urban um man what would it look like if value was poured back into community back into homes versus a, a versus photo op, what? a photo op a poster child i think it's a it's like a fort wayne haiti it's trendy who can be there first to get the first pictures and it's like it's not a it's not a charity event it's not a soup kitchen you can throw a billion dollars in the southeast and if those neighbors don't feel they're of value it'll have it'll be of no effect and that's not i'm not I know you're not trying to. I'm just saying. I know. I just. I know this area, so I'm just saying. But it, and it's not a dig. I'm just saying. There were people in my corner when I felt worthless, and they were telling me the right stuff, and I was still making bad decisions. Those people that are in my life now, they were in my courtrooms when I was getting sentenced. Yeah, and you've I, talked about the patience that people had with you, <laughs> because it wasn't. You weren't. You weren't just like straight lining it, man. It was up and down and side to side because of the lack of value. You know. I didn't think we deserved to be friends. You're the pastor. I'm the prisoner. You shouldn't, we shouldn't be in cahoots. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't be, you know what I mean? But it's like the people in my life are white collar guys, own companies, brokerages, and they're walking me out of my hell. And it's like, I'm the teenager with a three X Jersey on and dope in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I used to tell one of my buddies, it's like, dude, God gave you the short end of the stick. <laughs> you missed out on that one. I love having you as a friend, but man, I don't bring nothing to this table because I didn't see nothing in me. Right. So it's like if that don't if that don't change, it's you. I it starts there. I'm telling you, man. When I came home from prison, I knew I wasn't a prisoner. I knew I wasn't a felon. I didn't know what I. <laughs> I didn't know what I, where I was going, but I knew I wasn't that. So okay, well, I, if God still loves me despite all that, then I need to figure out what what I've become. Yeah. If. If old things have passed away, you become what? What is this thing that I've become? Mm -hmm. What is my created value? Who was I created to be? You know, he came to seek and save that which was lost. What was my what was lost? My original intent, my created value. Mm. So that's I think that's where it starts. Yeah, man, and and what's crazy is the rapid fire of growth. I mean, people might look at your story today and go, "Man, how did that happen?" But it's been over a decade of faithful persistence in small ways over and over and over Tough, again. Yeah. And, and so when we saw each other over that crazy cold bowl of chicken, you started showing me pictures of your new house. Now you'd had a nice house beforehand. Yeah, it was brand new, brand new house. You guys built, <laughs> you've told me about some of the neighborhood stuff, <laughs> relational <laughs> stuff and people getting, you, you do like to poke a little bit. I, th I think I like to poke a little bit, you know, but to find out what's underneath. Maybe a little bit, <laughs> maybe like, a little bit. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do sometimes, yeah. I, I think we both do because we want to understand why. We want to mm -hmm. understand what's going on behind the scenes. We don't just want to do the thing. No. There's more going on than that. And so you're in this house, you build it, you're married for, I don't know, 10 years mm -hmm. at the time. And... Then you start flipping out your phone and you're like, bro, this is what's happening. And you're like, I have no, no way to explain it. 
because you you went from Little Caesars to mowing with a little lawn mower to now mowing lots to getting big contracts with the city where you've got these these mowers yeah. that they are mowers. To my truck. Listen, bro. <laughs> yeah. Listen, bro, your mowers are like freaking tanks. Mm-hmm. And you know, is it gravely? Yeah, gravely. I mean, they need a commercial by you yeah. because that's those things like rolling up over it. everything. Yeah. 15 miles an hour. They ain't playing. Yeah. They ain't playing. But then you got a rack of stuff, not just stuff, but like intentional equipment for the for the work that you do around the city. And then you're flipping out your phone. You're going, you won't believe this. And right now, I mean, you're you're remodeling that home to make it fit even more for your family. <laughs> Grinding every night in between mowing seasons. And you just showed me some more blueprints so you can make a, a beautiful space for your mom. And, and I remember you just saying, like, can you believe this? I still can't believe it, man. <laughs> it's uh it's incredible. It's incredible. Because it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But it but it does. But like I told you, it's Matthew 633. Mm-hmm. Seek first. It's not just a value thing, man. Once I got that value thing and that righteous thing, I just I stuck, I just dove in it. And I'm just I still so you know, that whole um personal growth and development, I got on that track and I, I just never quit because I could be a better Brian tomorrow. Not necessarily for a company man or for my wife. Just I could just be a better man tomorrow, you know. So I'm, I'm always on that. There's always work to do, you know. And I feel like I started. Well, I know, like, as I got my house in order, my head straight, I saw success and everything. I took as that value changed and what I saw in the mirror changed. Man, my environment changed, and it just kept changing, almost like this. And it's it's still doing that, and it's I'm just it's it's crazy. And I, it's back to the grace thing because I shouldn't be where I'm at, but I'm I'm following his lead, you know. Yeah, this man. isn't Brian's show. I'm, you know, I denied myself, you know. Yeah, and I think going back to what you said, the the pastor and the prisoner. What because, uh? There's what, a lot of aspects to that that need to get messed up, right? You know, that, that, that are true, but they aren't. They're like lies we believe. Lies we believe, lies we've been taught, and lies we allow f- to flourish. Like the separation of two different stories and two different narratives into class systems of better and worse. The, the professionalism of pastoring, the, the power of pastoring rather than pastors are servants. They're under shepherds, under this great king that, that we go low and we take the last seat rather than the front seat and the best seat. And... Um, Yes, there's respect for leaders. I mean, the Bible's clear on that. Culture speaks to that. But, but I think that there's been a misunderstanding for a really long time. And I'm not trying to, to, to snatch everybody that's leading right now in churches. I do think in a lot of ways we've forgotten our first love. We've forgotten what we're called into. We've forgotten the people that we've been called to, the least, the last, the alone, the poor, the elderly. That's where we've been made for. Right. And so when you get to a place where honestly, most of the time, I don't, I don't think of my, like, I'm just doing the thing, man. And so, uh, I'm looking for people that I can be yoked up with no matter where they're coming from. And I feel like I can learn from everyone and anyone. And but it's a lot to doing the thing. you put your hand to something, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm like that too. 
I just, I'm just like, I'm gonna just put my hand to something, believe God's gonna bless it, do my best, pray that it's blessed, you know, but it's, it, it's, you just gotta do a thing. It's not gonna. Not just gonna happen. No. No. Talking I, about it and doing it, you know, it's, I don't know, it's better to try doing to just. Man, I'm, know. I'm about, I'm about that failing life. Uh, <laughs> everything that's good came because I failed at something before, yeah. you know? I mean, the reality is that I think so many people are fe fearful of failure, so they never try. And what will it look like if I fail? What will it look like if, if I don't succeed? What will it look like if, well, it doesn't change who I am. Yes. And it redefines my, my understanding of, I, I tell people like God holds the universe in the span of his hand. How far do you have to jump to jump out of his hand? Like fail away, man. You're gonna get your ear tuned to him, and uh, he he knows you're taking a shot. Like, yeah. I so, feel, I love that because it's like if you're, I feel like if what you shoot at isn't the right thing, it'll lead to the thing. If it's not the yeah, thing you're man. supposed to be doing, it'll lead to the thing. Because I stumbled in the mowing, I didn't, <laughs> I, you know. So it's almost the mowers are nice, but probably one of the most offensive things to me is it must be nice. Mm. I. I you know, and it happens all the time, but it just, it just, cause it, it, it negates those 15 years of hard work. You weren't, you, nobody was gawking at me when that push mower was in the trunk when I was out there with the pizza sign doing those tough, that tough work in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It wasn't sweet. You weren't like, oh, it must be nice. Let's be you know? fellas. Yeah. I was pulling up to a new house. Nobody was saying must be nice. So, I'm, you know, it's that. But it's the thing, it wasn't the thing, but it'd be the thing that led to the thing, which led to the thing, which led to the thing, you know? And God just had me. Yeah, man. And now I'm like, what's the thing? Cause I tell my wife all the time, mowing's not the thing. I don't have a magic mower. It just didn't produce where we're at. Yeah, you know? it still doesn't make sense. The math doesn't make sense. No. I mean, you tell, you tell me that all the time. <laughs> it, it never has when I built the house. My, when we got married, my wife came from Southeast Ohio. So I'm just giving you the, like, yeah, it, go for it. To the whole, it never added up. I'm one year out of prison. I'm doing temp service jobs. Like, I don't have, like, I've been somewhere for a year. I'm working here for three, you know how it goes, your assignments up. And that's what I was doing for that year. My wife comes, it got to the point that she needed to have a job within a certain mile radius of the home we were having built and, like, down to the wire because she didn't have a job yet. Mm hmm. So what I said, it was on her credit. It was on her credit loan. She didn't have a job yet. She's transferring here from Ohio and I'm a, a year out the joint. And yeah. we got this house going up because we had the down pay. We could sign. <laughs> it's going up. So I didn't tell nobody about it because I'm like, I didn't think we we're going to move in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm checking up on it. I was like, Lord, I hope we move in this place. It's beautiful. But down to the wire, she gets a job. I mean, within the week, we needed to have an address or she needed a job within the... So she, she gets the job and uh, we move in there and I'm still doing the temp servicing. So we're living basically on her income. My income's nothing, you know, I'm, I'm grinding, but it's pennies, you know. But we were living in a new home. I mean, the budget, it never, we never had enough month to month. I mean, I don't know if it was robbing Peter to pay Paul or what you call it, but it was just, I don't know how we did it. And even now it don't add up, you know, where, you know, where I'm at now, it's, you know, I'm, I'm re like you said, I'm remodeling the house right now. I'm here with you in the morning. 
that looking for myself. To get home. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's, you know, I never knew life could be so good. I tell people, um, you know, I got problems today, but the quality of problems I have today, I never knew were even possible. It, you can't even call them problems. Do you think most people don't think that there's anything out of what they're in right now? Like there's nothing outside of where they're at? Absolutely. It's exposure. You got to see it. When I came home from prison, I was in a small group. This is, I think this is really valuable. When I came home from prison, I was going to a guy's small group in his house and it was in his theater room. And I was on parole. I had two kids. I wasn't even at Little Caesars yet. And a buddy was picking me up, taking me to this small group. And the environment, man, you are who you hang around, you know? I'm looking at these dudes and it's like, I stick out like a sore thumb. They're married, careers, and I'm just listening. And that, you know, but it helped shape my idea of what a man could be, what he needed to be, how he holds it down. And I'm just watching these dudes every Wednesday night in this theater room in this dude's basement. I'm in a theater room. Big as my mom's house, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm in my mom's house because I got no license. I got nowhere to go. I, w- I was engaged, but I didn't, I'm trying to get back on my feet. But within a year, I started to look like those individuals, getting married, building a house, starting a company. So it's like the power of influence. You are who you hang around. It's like they tell you that in kindergarten, but it's legit. Like that, cha- that changed a lot for me. I started my, my LLC was started in that basement. It's crazy, man. And it, well, I mean, in what, about a year ago, you got to clear your record completely, yeah. right? There's nothing left. Nothing. Got my lifetime gun permit. <laughs> just, just, yeah, to, just because you could. Absolutely. Well, not just other. I mean, yeah, other <laughs> that things. Too. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> I like to play. <laughs> so, okay. So, but the, but this other side of it, man, is you got the, you got your, your, your background is clear. That means more to me in the ha- than the house in a way. You know, the house is tangible. But you'll never see the expungement. But like the way that went down. Yeah, it was crazy, right? I mean, Fran Gull smiled at me. and, could, and uh, for, I mean, like, and if you know her, she I didn't know she smiled. She ain't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, literally, she affirmed me, man, told me she I could come be an advocate in her courtroom or any of her programs, drug pro court, any of that stuff. And it's just like, I just lost it because they're, you know. That's a beautiful thing. So I'm saying that was like another stamp, like Little Caesars. That stuff, man, I take that stuff. That's what keeps me going. Those are your trophies. Yeah, you don't you see know? my trophies. The house, it's sweet, but that's, the mowers are sweet, man. But it's like, that's not it. That stuff can go tomorrow and I'm, I'm going to be all right, you know? Yeah. And I know that one of your burdens, man, was to go back, you know, yeah. not to go back, go back, you well, know? Not necessarily. I ain't called to jail ministry. No, but being able to go back and minister. Because you couldn't before. Absolutely. And I want to get back in the courtroom, advocate. Bring value, man, where there's no value. Be a picture that hasn't been seen in a while. You know, I think about all the kids that I get to hang out with in these grandmothers and great-grandmothers' homes. They don't have an image of a man. They don't have an image of of a man that's been around, that's that's going to stick around. They don't have an idea of what it feels like to be held or hugged. They don't have an image of a young man. Correct. And I, I, I talk to these, these women and go, Hey man, in, in like a few years, when your kids get into middle school, your influence drastically diminishes. You love them. You've provided, you're incredible. It's you're beautiful. I can't, I can't tell you enough things about how awesome you are. And yet 11, 12 years old, these peers who they hang out with continues to increase to a place where there's a diminishing return 
from their investment. And, and so I, topic, man. no, I hear you, man. And, and when I go down and hang out, that's where I went astray. Well, well, I know that when I hold a young kid and I wrestle with a young kid and I lift the kid up and throw them in the air and carry them on my back and, um, I know how valuable those seconds are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes my wife, Mandy, will tell me I'm too rough, man. I'm just, I want to, I'm I'm all in real quick. And she's like, you push down doors and you don't take any no, and, <laughs> you know, but I know what it, I know what it felt like for my dad to like pursue me, love me, cheer me on for him to go. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. Even today, he'll still apologize for moments that are long, long, long ago forgiven. But that's not the story, man, in these kids' homes. And so I know that, I know how valuable it is to- I often say, what's the difference between a good kid and a bad kid, a 15-year-old? What is it? Well, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's the TLC. I don't, I don't think there is a good kid, bad kid, mm-hmm. you know? Myself, I was labeled as a menace to society, troublemaker, can't keep my mouth shut, all that stuff. When I turned 18, I had a bunch let, of felonies. Let me be let me be clear though. I feel Don't like do, one of the Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> PG 13. <laughs> no, man, I put it explicit online. All right. Oh, okay, no, we let's good. do this. All right. What are we sipping? <laughs> Just <laughs> it's, com- it's communion. <laughs> it- we got real dirty real fast. Yeah, make sure you pray over that. I, it was it's blessed. You blessed it. <laughs> the pastor, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. That's that's bad. Yeah, let's move back. All right. Somebody's gonna yeah. cancel us yeah. real fast. <laughs> They're not gonna cancel you. You're Eric Wood. Stop right now. <laughs> so, what's the difference between a good and a bad kid? Nothing but you know, time, tender, loving care. Well, you know, I look at. Yeah, because I look at where I went astray. My parents got divorced when I was about 12. And I had a lot of idle time, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying this in hindsight. In the, in the middle of it, I didn't, you know, I was just living for the moment. But I was a freshman in high school. My brother was a freshman in college. I got out of school at 2.35. My mom got out of work at 5. I mean, and, and I had a lot of idle time. And I didn't have a whole lot of people instilling value or telling me who I was or... yeah no kind of figure like you're talking about no male figure period to kind of my brother was you know i mean away at college so it was almost this it was I, i'm only saying that because i remembered navigating a lot of things as an adolescence that were scary to me and not necessarily having an outlet sometimes you know and i came up in a healthy home it was just kind of tense and chaotic you know my dad was a drinker but it's like some of these scenarios you're discussing man some of these kids i wrote it to it's like man I don't, my story ain't even worth telling some of the stuff they go home to, you know, but it's like the answer is still the answer. It's still the value and the love, but it's like, it's, it's just heart wrenching, you know, to see a young person that has been void of love or attention or the affection that any of us. That leads to value. That any of us need. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I lack value, but man, I was, both my parents were home. My dad was an alcoholic, but they were both home. They were at my sporting event, at the, you know, I was in the church. It was, well, speak to that with your dad, man. Like that was distant. And then 
and then yeah. it wasn't right i mean yeah you were That's praying a, for reconciliation and that was a guy well you know um like i said he was an alcoholic so there was a lot of uh all the stuff that comes along with that life and um so my parents got divorced around 12 but i was the i'm the youngest me and my brother um but i've just always had to seize my dad mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i would just uh I don't know. <laughs> it's all good, man. Well, I'm a dad now. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like I'd hate my kids to hold something against me for 20 years that I did yesterday. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to learn it too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got a lot of grace for them. Um, so yeah, I got my CDL on a fluke. Me and my brother were starting this company. <laughs> uh, we were going to transform this bus. So I, uh, my brother bought it and I was doing the, footwork doing all the leg work and um well i'll back up my parents got divorced and my dad was in the rescue mission he did he was in the rescue mission then he ended up going to work at the one in chicago he retired from there so he kind of got back on his feet too but it was it was a long you know he wrestled with alcoholism his whole life uh he passed uh almost two years ago but um he's just not dealing with the stuff you know, that's one thing that really got me on. You know, he wasn't a bad dude either. He just didn't deal with his stuff. Yeah. That's why I turned to the bottle. He yeah. just didn't want to deal. Um, So I got, I, I hop in the semi. Well, I got my CDL to start this company. It wasn't taking off like we wanted to. It took a little longer. So I got, I got a job driving semi because it was, it was gravy. I was making good money. I would leave on Monday, come back Tuesday, leave on Thursday, come back Friday. That was my week. Yeah. So, and I was still cutting grass the whole time. And um, <clears throat> I was on a, a team ride. I was going out in New York and Wisconsin, but it got to the point I had some seniority after my first year. I got on a solo route. Well, on my solo route, I was running to Chicago, Peoria, yeah. Champaign. I was going there and coming back home when my dad was in Chicago at the mission. He was working there at the Pacific Garden Mission. So I reached out to him. It's like, hey, I'm sleeping in my – I'm driving truck now. I'm in – I don't know where you're at in the area, but if you're close to me, we can hook up and start having meals. Well, I drove semi for two years that last year. We were hooking up, having dinners, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was it was awkward. <laughs> More so because I ain't seen this dude. And, you know, at my wedding, my both my parents were there and they introduced themselves to each other because they didn't recognize each other. It had been, been, that, been long. that long. I'm David Miles. How are you? <laughs> like they introduced so it, you know, it was it was just like, it was just like that. So we had the dinners. Uh, he came to meet me one time, and it was the whole. It was it was awkward because he was trying to still play the dad thing, you know, like get whatever you want. And, yeah, you know, and I'm like, it's in your 20 years. I'm probably doing a little better off than you right now. Yeah, I got two incomes in my house, you know. Yeah, and it was an awkward dinner. It wasn't a, it wasn't really catch up per se. It's just how you doing. You know, and I could feel he was kind of trying to feel it out. Yeah. And put on an impression. And, mm-hmm. but I was just there to see my dad. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it didn't matter to me what I saw, but I could tell he was kind of just trying to be put on it, you know, but we did that several times over that year, a couple of times actually. And when my kids started going, got school age, I, I, I got a job at waste management. I was local and we still talked through text and stuff. And actually he came up for dinner one time and saw my house and the family. Well, uh, last year or two, about a year and a half ago when he passed, 
Actually, I helped him move to his sister's because he was getting bad health-wise, and he wasn't asking for help. He was just, just de- severely declined. Yes. So I loaded him up the U-Haul and took him to Tucson to be with his sister to watch him. And, you know, so he ended up passing there. And uh, as he was getting sick, getting ready to pass, the VA from Tucson kept calling me. They're giving me updates, and all the doctors are calling me. And I'm, you know, I was getting frustrated a little bit because I'm in the middle of moments. He told, I, he told me he was on the way to the hospital, what was going on. And it was a Friday. And, man, my phone blew up for the next four or five days. I mean, you know. All the doctors are calling. I don't. I can't even name them all. The heart guy, this guy, yeah. that guy. They're they're all calling me, giving me the feedback. Well, about four days into it, you know, he's up, doing better, declining, doing better, declining. But about four days into it, they're kind of breaking me all down. Hey, it's not looking good. And I, I I was out mowing. I'll never forget it. And I'm kind of like, what do you you know, what do you want? I just talked to. Yeah, I get it. I know. I. And I said, well, there's a, he told me he brought a briefcase in. Him and his sister said he brought a briefcase in when he came that had all the stuff in it. She goes, yeah, we know. That's why we're calling you. So it's like, what I see now is like, he made me his, um, what do they call it? Attorney, you know, uh, yeah, I got you. power of attorney. Yep. So he made me his power of attorney. And he never said nothing, you know. But it's like, all those dinners. You know, it's like, I, I, I strongly feel we started that company because we I crushed the bus. We ended up scrapping it because it cost, yeah. you know, it took off for a little bit. We did some events, but we crushed it. But it's like, I believe that company was started to Freaking mend so. that relationship so he could die in peace. Amazing. And it's like, wow. Because when, when that nurse told me that on the phone, it just kind of kind of became clear, you know, like what was going on and, you know. I'll never know what those meals meant to him. Yeah, it's beautiful though, man. Yeah, it was dope, you know. But there's been a there's been a, a pattern of reconciliation in your life. Yeah, yeah. You know, in ways that you you didn't plan, but my ears are restored. You know. Yeah, it's beautiful. My daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she, I'm about to have a second grandchild through mm-hmm. her, but you know, I went 13 years without seeing her. And yeah, your boy. How do you do that? I mean, all of the stuff, man, how and. Do you- I don't but think God is good, man. He's always, yeah. I mean, I think the cliche, right? God is good all the good. time, he's, he's, but he is good. He's and, faithful. And I think there's this beautiful reality of the, the tension of the scriptures where God is fully sovereign and in charge and he's called us to be fully responsible. And I see both of those things in your life coming together, right? God's been holding you by the word of his mouth, it mm-hmm. says in Hebrews. And at the same time, you've been working out your salvation with mm-hmm. fear and trembling. And when those two things are seen and enjoyed and treasured, you get to kind of just look on at what he's doing, how he shows out, you know, and, um, yeah, <laughs> that's cause of that juice, man. Yeah. So, you know, but, <laughs> but, it, but it's wow. the privilege of being home. One of the things that has been more about these stories is, there's new ones and there's old ones. There's new relationships. There's old relationships. And some of the old ones are new again. You know, I yeah, didn't, we didn't have one before. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's like this, this momentary blip in life where I'm just trying to be faithful. You're trying to finish. And, and here we are today, years over a decade we later. We can do life together, do ministry together. Go, go, help, yeah, man. go help, go help somebody out of their hell together. It's just, well, but even like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Kevin and Katie on and 
man, like I called you up and was like, hey, bro, I need some help. You know, their mower's broke. Can you come on over? Well, they're the, they're the coolest people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so oh, you, you blended right in. Oh, yeah. And that's the beautiful part is like when you have real brotherhood and friendship, like our people become each other's people. Yeah. And so there's been this real beautiful ride of seeing that. And I know what it, it meant to them, but even as, as a friend of theirs and a friend of yours, what it means that my, my people are engaging in loving one another and, and with the gifts and the talents that they have. Right. And so, you know, I count it a privilege. I'm sure we'll have more chats and more tears and, and more, um, you know, wrestling things out about like what's going on. Oh yeah. We both, we both have some pretty serious views of the city and the community and the Southeast side and how people are being invested and valued and listening to the voices of people rather than just doing things. And, and so I know that sometimes we, we both kind of feel, or you, you even more than me feel like you're a thorn in a room, but God's give. but I mean, for real, man, God's given you. I usually am. Depends yeah. on yeah, ask Amanda. <laughs> she says that all the time. Mandy says that all the time. Does we, yeah, I mean, yeah. About, not about you, about me. No, I was gonna say <laughs> no, I mean, maybe about you. But but I think that you know, don't lose that edge because the different angle needs to be spoken. Well, I can't. It's almost like I seen something. Mm -hmm. And you're not gonna you know. Yeah. You're not gonna convince me otherwise, man. I you know, I got I found found a precious pearl. Amen, man. Well, thanks for taking time. I know that you don't love Man, this kind of stuff. Thank you. you know, I'm so graced to be in this green room with you. <laughs> You're it's... such a dork. <laughs> you know, I am. When you called me up, you know what? I canceled to rearrange to be here with you. What? Tile? <laughs> Laying tile? Yeah, no. Yeah, kind of sort of. Actually cleaning my mom's cabinets. Oh, well. You should have helped your mom. So, yeah. I got to clean them so she can move in there. Yeah, man. Well, I love you. I'm really thankful for you. And I love you too, man. I'm I'm grateful for the work you're doing. This is uh, it's amazing. That's it's good. I don't know why. I don't really know why I'm here. <laughs> you know, no, but 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 man, again, the end of the day, I'm here because of you. But it's like, man, I don't fit in all of what you got going on. Nah, but stop. But <laughs> you know, you know. but the, but the reality, yeah, look, just like that's that but, church southeast thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, bro. yeah, bro. We're gonna go get them. Okay, stop. So we're here together. Because what was a simple, I was just trying to be faithful. Again, you were trying to finish a couple of weeks. And, uh, and that's the kind of relationships that God builds. And I think sometimes that you do something and no relationship shows up. And that's okay. Just do the thing. Do what's in front of you. There's somebody that will ask for a ramp through NeighborLink, and we still build the ramp if we can. There may be no relational exchange other than that ramp, but she gets in and out of her house. They get in and out of their house in a way they didn't before the day before. I'm okay with that being enough. Jesus healed people and walked on. So not everybody has to have a relational exchange, but when there is one, I want to wait out for it. I want to wade into it. I want to find out what's there. And I think that other side is the soft heart that, that Jesus engaged with his disciples and with people that would follow him. And I want to imitate him. And so I'm always on the lookout for relationships that are more than the fix, more than the work and seeing what might happen out on the backside of that. And when, when you look at a decade of that plus, and then go, we're sitting here together, enjoying life and enjoying family and enjoying our, our parts in the city, like 
man, again, it was just a normal day that I was trying to be faithful to back in the day when I wasn't okay. And but I think the beautiful thing is like you still you still do that in a way. I'm I'm trying to be more attentive and intentional about that. The relational aspect part of it, because you know, well, task and agendas. Not that yeah. my heart ain't there, but I can sometimes the relationship might need to be established, and I'm like, all right, cut the yard. Mm. I got <laughs> yeah. to, you know. So I'm trying to be more intentional there because there's a lot there. It's like the book by its cover thing, man. You just got to be mm. look at the relationships you you've had in the last two since doing your thing here at Neighborlink yeah. that wouldn't exist had you been in task mode. Yeah. Met the need and kept going. Well, I think in the city, we need both people and sometimes mm -hmm. they flip flop, right? Um, yeah, but you need to be able to pause and pivot. Absolutely. And I, and I think that availability changes things. Right. You know, some guys called me up that were building a ramp a couple of weeks ago and they're like, can you just come hang out with this lady? And I get there and she, she almost died uh, 30 years ago in a car wreck, broke 22 bones, has had a knee replacement, a hip replacement, and then broke the femur tied to the, to the knee replacement, and the bones aren't growing back. She's like, I've been in 30 years of pain. I know pain more than I know peace. I want to play with my kids in the backyard again. That's it. That's my goal. She goes, my purpose is my kids. I want to give them, I want to be present. I want to I want not to be so busy with everything else. And so while they're building the ramp, not after they've done it, but while they're building, I'm sitting there, you know, kneeling down and getting to pray with her, pray over her. And, and so, man, what a gift, what a gift. Like I drove 25, 30 minutes, the opposite direction of where I normally hang out to be, be yeah, there. To be. Yeah. Right. And so I, I do pray for people to have more margin more time to pivot um but it's like you know one of them old cliches it's not about your ability it's about your availability and yeah. it's like that's where my focus is because we all we can all be available i told you when the gma thing was going on and mm -hmm. you were like oh i'm just whatever you see you said something to the effect of um i'm just loving people or loving mm -hmm. neighbors but i said well not not actually the, the thing that's attractive and attention seeking is like we all walk those neighbors you're stopping to, there's a thousand people that walk by them. Mm. You're not the you're not the only one that's walked by them. So it's attractive that you stopped in in the air. It's a, it's convicted me. It's like man, maybe I could be a little more available. Yeah. So I mean, that's the that's the part. I'm you know because it, it is beautiful. We we've all passed. You know, I've had some. We've all had those seed moments and God moments in the gas station, grocery store, in the park at your kids' yeah. events, sporting events, at the band practice. If you're available. It can go down whenever, how, you know, so I'm trying to be open to that a lot more. And I, I you know, I look up to you in that aspect because I, I, I do feel like that's your agenda for the day and mine is kind of convenient at times, but I mean, I'm, I'm We're trying both to be learning, more, man. Yeah. I'm trying to be more intentional about it because things. that's where, that's where the revival happens. I have to say, you know, my, I didn't meet God on the hilltop. Right. It was, it was an, it was an ugly situation. Well, me and a buddy were, were talking early this morning. If every person let's just say 500 people in Fort Wayne, 500 in the greater Fort Wayne area, people uh, began to know five of their neighbors. They learned their names and their needs and they did something. Let's just say everybody picked five people. What would happen in our city? It'd be, it'd be what we all dreamed of Ev everywhere. And uh, but I think here's the thing. I think Southeast right now is the hot button. So people are going way out of their way which is okay 
um, and missing the hundreds and thousands that they pass by every day. Yeah. So both are true. Yeah, both are I, important. Yeah, I would just say, I, I would almost wonder, like, if some people don't know how to do relationship. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, I did, there was a lot of things I did, like you're talking about the young man that doesn't know the reference point for a man. Man, I didn't know what it was to be a husband until I was, <laughs> you know, you got these. So it's like. Yeah, man. I think that's why it slows down the whole system. Like, we're not trying to, to monopolize a, you know. Because typically, I think the idea of the relationship is what, not typically, sometimes it could be what's in it for me or that kind of thing. So it's like, what's a, what's a genuine, authentic, you know, authentic, authentic relationship, relationship look like? What's yeah. that? What's the breeding grounds for it? What's it consist of? And I mean, we got a lot of that mm-hmm. because it's iron sharpens iron. Yeah, it's, it's just coming alongside. That's what it is. But it's like, if you don't have a reference point for it, what is it even? What is it? I mean, my, my home was so chaotic as a young man. It's so tense. When I stayed the night at a buddy's house and saw his, their parents were cuddling under the blanket. Yeah, man. You told I, about I, I still remember. I can I can paint you a picture of that because it was so tense in my house. My parents weren't cuddling. They weren't mm-hmm. all affectionate like that. You know, so when I saw it, I can still see that moment when see, catching my buddy's parents on the couch because it was like, what is that? Yeah, man. So my thing is like, we people, seen it. people could look at us and say, man, how is that even possible? What is that? He don't know 10 years. How, how can they be so close? And mm. da, da, da. But it's and it's a good reference point. If you don't have that, yeah, it's almost good. like Eric might not approve of me if he knows I was in prison. Or Eric, man, he can't know that. You know what I mean? I got two kids out of wedlock. He's the pastor. He had never done that. You know, but I mean, I think we come into stuff with yeah. it kind of puts preconceived notions that separate us and, from a true relationship. Yeah, man. Because we got to know the good and bad and the ugly. I mean, that's. Yeah, and we gotta we gotta learn how to be patient with that process, man. It's like I'm still working with you on you know some of yours, but like <laughs> we won't talk about all that right now, man. We gotta keep it PG, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, we don't have to. We don't. You're the boss. No. <laughs> if you haven't picked up, this cat is sarcastic. My bad. Just once in a while. No, um, I'm here. Just, I'm with you. This ain't. <laughs> anyway. We're thankful that you you checked out this podcast. It's this is more than a conversation. It's going to continue to go on, but but I I do think what Brian just said is many of us don't know how to do relationship, and some of it starts out with being watchful and listening first. Jesus loves people more than I do, more than you do, more than we do, and He knows how to love them best if we just listen, and um, and be real patient in the process, like. The best part of your story is the patience that people have had to, to wait on your growth to become who they see you to be. And, and a lot of times we want instant gratification. We want instant success. We want people to transform overnight. Sometimes God does take stuff overnight in an instant, but yeah. a lot of times it's process. The metamorphosis is it's not overnight. Right. And it so, can't be. So my hope is that people would see these, these conversations and they go, man, it's possible. Man, we can do this. We can roll in this. They they ain't special. They've just stepped into the stuff that Jesus has made us to do. And I you can't be pro- programmatic. You can't come with an equation, but you can come with yourself, Jesus and his spirit and see what he might do. And then someday you'll sit there a decade later and get to to reap a harvest that you didn't know you planted. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my life right now is I never knew there were seeds that had sprouted, you know, and that day in Chipotle was a reminder that D- he was doing stuff that I had no clue he was doing. That's the best part. I think of following Jesus is I didn't know I planted that. I didn't know he nurtured that. I didn't know he watered that. 
I didn't know he multiplied any of it. And then all of a sudden I got to behold his work and then we get to enjoy it together. So love you, man. Peace. Patiently waiting for an alcohol.